have that hymn that we sang? Can it be? Can we have the first verse up there again? That first verse, yep. It's about... Um, tis, oh, well, just the, the uh, verse 2, actually. It says, tis, tis mystery all, the immortal dies. Isn't that amazing? Every time I read that, every time I think about that, the great mystery of how and why would an immortal die? Why would a mortal say, I'll come down and die when there was no need? There was no, I mean, who would do that? Who would volunteer if you imagine if you were an immortal? Who would go, I'll go to earth and let them crucify me? Who would do that? Why would you do that sort of thing? We're going to touch on that today. Maybe that's the heading of the talk. The immortal dies. Just in Revelations, folks. Just talking to someone the other day, this, this talk is uh, was sort of born from a conversation I had. Someone asked me the other day, what's, what's hell like? What's hell like? I said, I've got no idea. I don't want to know. I never want to find out. I don't want to be walking around going, oh, so this is, this is what hell's like. You know, bigger than I thought or whatever, you know. You just don't want to know. It's just somewhere, and we don't really talk about it that much, and there's a reason for that, I guess. But, you know, it's there. Jesus Christ spoke of it. It's interesting, Jesus Christ spoke of hell whenever he got annoyed with the Pharisees or self-righteous people. Interesting, isn't it? That's when he sort of brought up hell and uh, woe unto you sort of thing. Whenever he got really, really angry, and it was usually with the priests, the Pharisees and the self-righteous, he'd sort of bring it up. But just here, just um, we're just going to touch on it in uh, Revelation chapter 20. And verse 12, actually, this is, uh, this is just before it. And I saw the dead, small and great stand before God. The books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. Everyone got that? Verse 12, Revelations 20. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the, in the books according to the works. The sea gave up the dead which were in it. The dead and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them and they were judged every man according to their works. Death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's pretty jolly, serious, you know. And if you take Christ out of the picture, before Christ maybe, you know, 2,000 years ago if you like or whatever, for thousands of years people were just, just you know, maybe, maybe God, Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Godhead, they were just sort of seeing this this conveyor line of people and sort of missing out, you know, and, and missing out on the book of life. How hard, and this is for a, a talk for another time, how hard would it be to get your name into that book of life outside of Christ? How hard? And who would be confident, you know, and people go, oh, I didn't even know there was a book of life. It doesn't really matter. You know, I found out the other day I've been driving a car, <laughs> I've been un-un-un un- uninsured for six months, you know. It doesn't matter if you knew or not. You still get fined, you know, sort of thing. It doesn't matter, folks, and people can sort of plead ignorance. I don't really, didn't really know about the book of life. I didn't really know about judgment. For thousands of years, people have been thinking, what happens after death? The great mystery, what happens after death? And, you know, the pyramids and, and the Greek mythology and, and even today or the New Age... And people wonder in themselves, just normal people living their lives. Some people go, oh, I'm not going to think about that. I'm just going to live my life and see what happens at the end. Other people live their whole lives wondering. And maybe your friends or, or someone that you know, you're dear to you, 
they pass away, or maybe you have a close sort of uh, experience with death yourself, and you sort of think about it, you get thinking about it, but there's no answer. There's no sort of, well, this is what happens after death until Jesus Christ comes on the scene. He comes on the scene and he explains it. He's very explicit in what to do and how we do it. But I just want to touch on this, the immortal dies, just in um, Revelations chapter 1, or in Revelations. This is uh, John the Apostle. I was sort of talking about this the other day at the Vogue. We just sort of touch on it again. Revelation chapter 1. And John, who knew Jesus Christ as a man for three and a half years, he knew him. John was probably the closest to Jesus Christ out of all the disciples, in a, in a sense. You know, there was a very close group on the inner circle, Peter and John, so forth. But John was very close to Jesus Christ. But we see here, this is a completely different Jesus Christ to that which John knew in verse 12. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. In the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man. He was looking at Jesus Christ. Clothed with a garment down to the foot, girt about perhaps with a golden girdle. His head and his hair was what was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as flames of fire. Imagine seeing Jesus Christ. And I believe, and I could be wrong, but I believe this is the real Christ. This isn't just... This appeared, Jesus Christ appeared unto John, and you think, well, maybe this is a one-off appearance, or maybe this was Christ forever. Maybe we're looking or we're reading a description of the immortal Christ, and this is how he was possibly before he was born, before the crucifixion. This is the Christ. And I'll read it again. And his hair and his hair were white like wool and white as snow, and his eyes were as flames of fire and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned into a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. His countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. Just sort of picture that, folks. Just picture that for a minute. There's two pictures that I want to talk about today, two images, and this is the first one. The sun shineth in his strength. And whatever he saw, he, he sort of describes it, but even words, even to articulate it, even to write it down, you'd lose most of it. You'd sort of, you were sort of reading and you go, oh yeah, you'd lose most of it. If you were in the presence of this, of Christ, it would be, you couldn't really describe it. You couldn't really get the, the sense of what you, of who you're looking at. The power, the presence, you couldn't describe the presence of, of being in the presence of Christ. And when I saw, this is, this is John, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. John fainted. What he saw, he fainted. And he laid his right hand upon me saying, fear not, I'm the first and the last. So this immortal being, right, for some reason, somehow, and we're going to go to that later, that God sent him to earth. He sent him to be born. He asked him to go down. What an amazing conversation. Would you send your son to, to and, you, and you'd know God and Christ, they knew the future. They knew exactly what was going to happen. And, and, and God sent his son to do this. His immortal son, I want you to die. And not just die, we're just going to turn to that. Isaiah, Isaiah 52. Isaiah 52, folks. Being the communion service today, I just thought we might talk about the crucifixion 
And this is, there's many scriptures of the crucifixion and, and we can read over it. This is just one explanation of what actually happened in verse 14 of Isaiah 52. As many were astonished as thee, his visage was so marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. I'm just going to read that in the Amplified. Just have a look at that, folks, and maybe picture that. We have the picture of the immortal Christ that John fainted at when he saw him, and this is Christ as a man upon the cross. This is in the Amplified. For many... The servant of God became an object of horror. They were horrified, an object of horror. Many were astonished. His face and his whole appearance were marred more than any man and his form beyond that of the sons of men. But just as many were astonished. They taught, if you read through what they did to Christ, he couldn't even carry his cross. He was so mutilated, he was so tortured, he couldn't walk properly. He couldn't carry his cross. They had to get someone else to do it. They could have left him on the ground and he would have bled out. He was tortured for hours and hours, folks. So we had this immortal being volunteering to be, to be tortured. And you sort of think, you know, why? How? What, what motivated him? What's death like? What's, what's hell like? We've got no idea, but Christ knew. And he could see the souls of men and women going into hell, folks. And it was the only thing that could happen. It was the only way. Imagine the pressure on Christ. If Christ, he was the only one that was worthy to be crucified. No one else could do it, folks. Take it personally. Take it very, very personally, folks. We're a church, we're a group of people, many groups of people all around the world, you know, and good luck to them and good on them and all the rest. But, it's very, very personal what Christ has done, how he transformed himself, how he humbled himself. The Bible says he humbled himself a little lower than the angels. Why? Specifically so they can kill him. Who would do that? Why? May that, that action, that, that benevolence, what he'd done in our lives, and, and we can sort of get caught up in these other things. Maybe when we first come along to the Lord, that's amazing to us, and it is. But let us not lose sight of that. Let us not lose sight of the crucifixion. That is what the communion is all about. Jesus Christ instigated communion. Remember me. Remember my blood. Remember my body. Because he knew that we just go off and we think about other things. We focus on this and we focus. He shouldn't have done that. She shouldn't have done my work and my boss and, and me and her and him and them sort of thing, you know. No personally, you know. But, you know, we can all get all very... Um, caught up in the church even, even in the church, how ironic, you know, the vehicle that should save souls. And we can get caught up in where we are in it and where I belong and where I should be or whatever. And that can be our focus or where I shouldn't be or I don't really want to be or whatever, you know. And And that's all over here. And over here is the crucifixion of Christ. The The immortal dies. And really all this... Compared to this, you know, may we look at this. May we look, may we spend our years upon the earth as the immortal dies. And may we see that and how important and how inspirational that is. And not putting us down or men down or women down, but let us not look to each other in a sense, but let us look for Christ, folks, because we'll never be disappointed. 
we can get disappointed in each other, get to know each other and, you know, and that, maybe we get surprised. Maybe, oh, you, you're better than I thought you would be sort of thing. But with Christ, that is our constant. That is our constant, you know, inspiration, folks. And whenever things come against, oh, I don't know, I don't know if I want to, you know, it's between you and Christ. Take it very, very personally, the crucifixion, because he saw hell. You know, and we don't talk about hell very often, but Christ did. Christ spoke about it. So it's there, and what he saw was enough to make him come down upon the earth and do what he had to do. So whatever he saw, whatever was happening, he had to stop it. He just, no, this can't happen. I've got to give him a chance. I've got to give him a hope. I've got to give him a hope of eternal life. We're just going to turn to that. In um, um, John 3, John 3. <clears throat> and even with the crucifixion and how powerful that is, it has its limitations, which people might think, oh, that's a bit, you know, can't really say that. The crucifixion has its limitations. John 3 and verse 17. Or verse, verse 16, for God so, we know this scripture. Many people know this scripture all over the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So God gave his son to do this, which is just mind-boggling in itself. Who would give their son? You know, who would sort of say, can you go and do this for me? That whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him, this is the word, that through the world through him might be saved. We might, we have a hope now. Before Christ there was no hope in that sense. And now we've been given a hope. We might be saved. It's up to us where we go with it. We might be saved. So each and every one of us have to take that possibility. If you're a visitor here today, today welcome you can possibly have eternal life. If you've been here 50 years, you can possibly have eternal life. It's really up to you where you go with it. We're not there yet. We haven't arrived yet. Until the day of the Lord comes back, you know, in a sense, and this might be a bit unsettling, oh, no, a bit, you know, it's, it's a day by day. And what we do with the crucifixion, the Bible says here, we'll just read it again, that the world through him might might be saved. We have a chance now. We've got one shot at glory, folks. We have one shot at eternity. We have one shot at eternity, and that's here and now. We have one life, one life to live, and what you do with that one life is completely up to you. You have a chance of eternity. I have a chance of eternity, and it depends on what we do with it. Just turn to uh, Matthew chapter 8. No, actually, I'm going to turn to something. Sorry, folks. I'm going to turn to Matthew 26 while we're in Matthew. Matthew 26. And this is a scripture, when every time you read this, you just think, you know, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. I was saying the other day, me and Sarah were kicked out of the Garden of Gethsemane. It's still there in Jerusalem, just outside of Jerusalem, up on a hill. And we were kicked out because Sarah was wearing shorts. So there you go. Don't wear shorts in the Garden of Gethsemane. There's Jesus Christ, he was in the garden, uh, they came to get him, the, uh, the Romans or the, the priests and all that came to get him, the chief priests, and in verse 52, then said Jesus unto him, 
This is the disciple brought out a sword to protect Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said in 52, Put up again thy sword into his place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? So Christ said, I can stop this any time I want. I can even stop the crucifixion. I can call down 12 legions of angels. That's 70,000 angry angels. 70,000 angels were there looking at what they were doing to Christ, looking at the torture of Jesus Christ. And at any time through that torture, which lasted for hours and hours, folks, any time Christ could have said, no, that's it, done, call down the angels. And the angels would have been more than willing to stop this. Imagine 70,000 angels looking at what they were doing to the Son of God. You know, what are you doing to Jesus Christ? What are you doing to, to the immortal prince, the prince of peace? He's come to, to give you life and you're killing him. 70,000 angels. And, and the thing is, and that's the thing, that Christ could have stopped this at any moment. He could have stopped it. It wasn't just the crucifixion. It was the, the hours leading up to the crucifixion, the torture and the mutilation that was going up to the crucifixion. And he just went through it and he, and he just said, no, I'll do it. I'll deal with it. Take it personally, folks. And people, oh, that's a bit graphic and that's a bit... Yeah, it is. It's very graphic. Very graphic. That's what happened. And talking about hell, oh, that's a bit... Yeah, it is. Jesus Christ spoke about it. Very graphic. Oh, that's a bit, you know... Yeah, it is. That's, you know, and maybe sometimes we can sort of live our lives and just going through it, you know, and we're just waking up and going to work and coming to meetings and it all becomes a bit, bit of a habit, you know, and, oh, nothing really happens in my life and all that. Folks, it's all around us. What Jesus Christ has done and the angels and the end of the world and, and the devil and, and, and God and, and the Holy Spirit and, 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 you know, Africa and Asia and, and Adelaide, you know, and people, you know, people battling and people winning and, and people losing and people dying and people getting born again. You know, oh, nothing really happens to me. You know, I remember a brother saying that to me once. Oh, I never really see much. It's, man, you're blind. It's all around us. The Holy Ghost is working all around us and the Spirit is working and, and, and the battle is on. And what's the prize? What's the prize of this great battle? Our souls. Your soul and my soul. How much do we value? The Bible says, you know, what would, what would a man give in exchange for his soul? How valuable is your soul to you? And all these things come against us. You go, nah, not moving, not budging, not touching my soul. And someone offends you, someone within the church or someone outside the church, or someone say at work the other day, oh, Ben and his invisible friend, you know, <laughs> ben and his invisible friend. And you can get offended or whatever, you know. Yeah, okay, bring it on, boys. Here we are. Let's go, you know. And you just think, yeah, you know, is it worth my soul? And if we get offended, is it worth your soul? Or if whatever situation comes against you, a brother the other day I was just talking to the other day and, and he's going through just tragedy. He had a tragedy a few years ago and now he's got another tragedy and, and they're serious. I mean, you know, phew, big stuff. And he's just, he's just looking up 
He's just looking to glory. He's just looking to God. It's not even touching him in that sense. I mean, horrible things, you know, that are happening in the natural sense. But he's just got his eyes fixed and he knows where he's going. He's going to glory and he knows that his soul is with God and his soul is with Christ. How amazing is that, folks? And, and how valuable is your soul to you? And how precious is it? And how do you guard it above all things? Do you guard your soul? And don't let anything touch your soul, folks. Just in um, uh, Colossians, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1. And this is Jesus Christ. In verse 16 of Colossians 1. For him were all things created that in heaven and in earth, visible and visible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that it should that in him should all fullness dwell, Alpha and Omega. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you, this is us. We're talking about us now. May we just appreciate this, folks. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now has he reconciled. I wonder how many of us outside of Christ would have made the book of life. I wouldn't have been very confident. I wouldn't have been confident at all. I would have just been, nah, look, my name's not there, mate, you know, sort of thing, you know. Just don't even, I'm not even going to wait. If the book of life was opened, I know I wouldn't, no chance, without Christ. And how many of us, you know, are like that, feel that, that there was no way we would have got in outside of Christ. So may we just appreciate, and I'll read it again, verse 21, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now has he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, unreprovable. Isn't that just incredible? Holy, unblameable and unreprovable. You know, like if a father has a, a favourite, a favourite son, you know, or, or a favourite daughter or, or you know, and, and you're trying to please the father, oh, what about him, Dad? You don't, you know, you don't punish him sort of thing. And, you know, and, and as, you know, always pleasing the father. Driving along the other day with my two and one of them says, um, hey, Dad, which one of us has got, is more like you in character? And the other one, without missing a beat, said, oh, that's easy. You've got all these bad characteristics and I've got all these good characteristics, <laughs> you know. But there's this, there is this constant, oh, Dad, you're, you know, this, you're not unfair, you know, this sort of stuff. God has determined through Jesus Christ upon his saints. He's determined because of Jesus Christ upon his saints. And, and other people can say, oh, how come you're so, you know, and even on the day, how come, oh, I knew this guy. How come you're letting him in the kingdom? How come, you know? And God has said, I've determined upon him. I've determined upon him. I know these people and they're mine. In, um, in, um, there's a scripture I was reading the other day. I can't remember who it was now. It says, oh, he's talking to, to Moses. So, Genesis or whatever. 
or Exodus, in Exodus, sorry, and he says, I will, I will, I'll determine, you know, I'll show favour upon whom I will show favour and mercy upon whom I will, I will show mercy. And once he's determined upon a person, that is it, you know, and we should be, we should reciprocate that. He said, I will not leave you in another place. I will not leave you until all the promises I have given you are accomplished. And that is us in our lives, folks. Christ will not leave us. The Holy Ghost will not leave us until we're home, till we're walking through those gates, folks, to those gates of heaven. And wouldn't that be amazing just to be there on that day, just to walking through those gates, you know, and I touched on this the other day, and I, got, I sort of got told off about this, that, uh, you know, the early Christians fed to the lions, you know, and, and they just went out and they were actually singing hymns. Some of them have read accounts of the early Christians when Nero sort of um, persecuted the saints. He beheaded Paul, called him a criminal, called all the Christians criminals, and they, um, and, you know, I got told off, but I'll do it again. I don't want to get told off. They, they, they tied them to posts, folks, the Romans, tied Christians, our brethren, our, our, our ancestors, our relatives, our spiritual relatives. They tied them to posts on the streets of Rome. They poured oil over them and they lit them up at night. That's how they died, folks. That's the early Christians. And they let them out to the Colosseum and, and they were being eaten by bears and lions and cheetahs, all sorts of things. You know, and, and they just, they had, they were determined upon God. They were just determined, you know, and may we be determined upon God. And God is determined upon us. And he, there's nothing, you know, there is nothing that he, he doesn't change his mind on us. And may we reciprocate that. May we return that great compliment, you know, and that, that there's nothing that comes against us, folks. And may we live our life in that. And once we determine upon God, everything becomes a lot easier. And we're definite, no, this is it, you know, it's not, oh, I don't know anymore, this is it. And uh, anyway, we'll just finish, we'll just finish, I know I'm early, but I'm just going to finish anyway. In Psalm 73, just to finish off, Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterwards receive me to glory. May we stick close to Jesus Christ, folks. He has earned our trust. And all the people said, he has earned our trust. May we take counsel of Christ. Every situation that we go through, go to Christ. Christ, what would you have me do? How should I think? How should I treat that brother that's offended me? How should I be? How should I treat my wife? How should I, how should I behave in my life? Christ has earned our trust and our respect through the crucifixion. May we take his counsel. May we take his counsel every day, folks. And all the people said, Amen.